Amen. Well, Happy New Year. I hope you have, I hope you have a, a great expectation for the year. I think if I had something I would say to you for the upcoming year is I would say this. So what, what, what the Holy Spirit said through the Apostle John, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. I think that's what I would say to you. Your soul is the first thing that needs to prosper. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. If you can get your mind to prosper, thinking right is the most important thing you can do in 2024. Thinking right. Then you can have financial prosperity and you can have physical prosperity. But your soul needs to prosper. And that's what I would wish for every one of you in the year. We're going to look at a lot of fun things, I think, from the Scripture this year. I I thought about bringing a Bible tonight, a a physical Bible, instead of just my iPad. And I was going to hold it up. Remember, anybody know who Vince Lombardi was? It was the, the, the legendary coach of the Green Bay Packers. Every year when he would get to camp, he would hold up a football. This is how he started. He'd say, gentlemen, this is a football. And he would start from the very basics with these guys who had played in the league for a long time and the ones who were brand new in the league, but they had all played football because they were all playing professional football at the time. And he would say that every year, gentlemen, this is a football. And I thought about bringing my Bible and saying, ladies and gentlemen, this is a Bible. Because it's the thing that's going to change our lives. It's the thing that's going to help us make it. The world is in a mess. It really is in a mess. I thought, man, I'd like to have a, a New Year prophecy. You know, the Lord sometimes gives me a word for the upcoming year. And, and, and I, I, always, I would like it if I could give you a prophecy and I could, say, I could say, this is the year of your abundance. But the Lord didn't give me that word. <laughs> or I wish I could say, this is the year of the church's demonstration of the manifold wisdom of God under the principalities and powers in the heavenly. He didn't give me that word either. I think if, if you can say anything about 2004, it needs to be the year of more. More of me giving myself away to Him. More of my focus on Him. Not on my focus about what He can give to me, but what I can give to Him. Because what I sow is what I'm going to reap anyway. I don't know... I haven't heard a lot of great prophecies about the upcoming year. But I don't believe this is a year that is going to be the breakout of the church into the supernatural manifestation of His presence. I don't even believe this is going to be the year of revival. I would like it to be. I would like that. If if I'm wrong, hallelujah. And you can come at the end of the year and say, you were wrong, and I'll say, I'm glad I was. This is what I can see. This is what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians Chapter 2, now, you know what that chapter's about. I'm getting ready to find out, I'm sure. But it's talking about, in the beginning of this chapter, it's talking about uh, a certain man of lawlessness being revealed in the world. Now, I don't believe he's been revealed yet, but it's talking about that. In verse 8, it says, 
And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they might that they might all be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Comfort your hearts, establish you in every good work and word. I believe the Lord is fulfilling His word. I believe, not just the Lord, but I believe people are fulfilling His word. I believe we're marching toward a time when this man of lawlessness will be revealed. I believe we're marching toward a time of a falling away because that's what the Scripture prophesied right before that. I, I, I see it more clearly than I ever have, and I wonder if it's because I'm, I'm old. You know, when I was a kid in church, they talked about the second coming of Jesus all the time, and I kept thinking, it's because y'all are old. You're ready to go. Some of us want to live a full life and have fun. I don't think that's it. I think we can see circumstances in the world that are taking place. Society is being prepared for the appearance of the Antichrist. I don't want to be a, a bearer of bad news, but I tell you, this country's in a mess. Do you know that one of the most celebrated songs of this culture is called Unholy? On the Grammy Awards, the singer identified as a, a LB, LGBT man portrayed Satan in the performance of that song. I mean, Satan was featured as a prop against Christmas displays in capital cities all over the world this past Christmas. It's a mess. One of the ways things like that are spreading is through TikTok. I'm sure most of us don't have TikTok, but it's spreading to American children through TikTok. The Chinese owners of TikTok use it to recruit American children to their ideas. But they control Chinese children's impulses, and they don't get to be a part of that. The total number of American children who identify as LGBT reached a high of 25% in this past year. America is now the civilization pushing extreme gender ideology on the world. We're number one at that. Joe Biden said it would be a key foreign policy achievement. For America to do so. Disney, meanwhile, continues to practice, and this is, this is a quote, of queering America's youth through its entertainment agenda. The FBI spearheaded the persecution of pro-life activists. California passed a law that if parents don't allow their children to have a choice of which sexual identity they will use, they, those parents will lose their right to keep that child. This year, there was a move by the Biden administration to ban foster parents from keeping custody of their foster children if they couldn't observe, if they don't, didn't observe the strict rules on gender ideology. The number of teenage girls who thought of killing themselves was one in three. Killing via euthanasia is now legal in 10 states in the United States of America. This is an election year. Last year, over 90 charges were brought against the leading candidate in all the polls former President Donald Trump. He was also banned for running for president in Colorado by the state Supreme Court and by some random official in Maine. And yet October the 7th, 
Last year was the world's biggest story. Hamas brutally attacked Israel. It was the worst Jewish bloodbath since World War II. And then just about three weeks ago, I'm just reading from the paper here, the Pope endorsed of homosexual marriage. He had his endorsement of homosexual marriages in the Catholic Church. He said they could bless that sin. Two years ago, they decided they wouldn't do it because they said God would not do that. He wouldn't bless sin. Well, what happened? Did God change his mind? No, the Pope did. So the world is in a mess. It's an apostate world. I mean, those are examples of people calling good evil and evil good. Listen to this verse from Isaiah 5, verse 20. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We see that happening right before our very eyes, don't we? So, I say all that to say this. It's time for believers to believe. What does a believer do? He believes. Runners run, swimmers swim. We call ourselves believers. That means we ought to be believing something. We're going to have to live our lives in a realm above the natural in order to survive in the day in which we live. We cannot settle for mundane religious Christianity. We must have the real deal and live in a relationship with God. We're going to have to become supernatural believers. Not just believe in the supernatural, that it exists, but to operate in the supernatural power of God. Listen, we're, I'm going to tell you, you already know this. If we depend on the health care system of this country for our health, we're in trouble. We better know Jehovah Jireh and Jehovah Rapha. We better know the Lord. If we depend on the government for our economic freedom, we're in trouble. The government isn't even economically free. Let me read you a passage of Scripture from Jeremiah. I'm going to get to some fun things, hopefully, in just a few minutes. But listen to this. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, God is talking, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like a heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit parched places in the wilderness, and in a salt land not inhabited. I'm glad I didn't stop there. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, in whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. If our trust is in man, we won't even know when good comes. If our trust is in God, we won't know when they go through all the problems they're getting ready to go through. We won't know. We'll, we'll still be bearing fruit. We won't even know there's a drought going on because our trust is in Him. Our faith is in Him. We believe something that's different than the report of the world. We believe what's, what's true and what's eternal. I mean, we're not like the world and we must be believers in what the Lord has promised us. Jesus said in John 17, 16, talking about us and the disciples of that day, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 
One translation says, they're not defined by the world any more than I'm defined by the world. The world should not define you. The world's problems should not define you. You are different than they are. When it was dark in Egypt, it was light in Goshen. We are covenant partners of Almighty God. But we've got to believe it. We've got to put action to what we believe. The scripture says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Curses everyone that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We have the blessing of Abraham. How big is that? Well, Genesis 24.1 says, Abraham was blessed in all things. How many is all? Every one of them. Whatever thing you can think of, Abraham was blessed in it. Abraham, you remember, he was the guy that found out his nephew was captured by these five bad kings. And, the, and four, four of the, they weren't really good kings, but four kings he was with, they all got captured. Abraham took all the men in his house and some friends and went and conquered those kings. Got all the spoil and provide, presented the tithe to Melchizedek because he trusted in God, not in man. We need to understand that. We know that it says there in Galatians 3.14 that I just read to you that we receive the promise through faith. Faith is a noun. Believe is a verb. We must be believers. We are believers. We are believers. The Bible says several times, the just shall live by faith. Are we the just? Do you know that? We've been justified by the blood of Jesus. It is ours to live by faith. Not have faith experiences, not have faith spasms, but we need to be people who live our lives believing what God has said. When the news media says there's, there is a recession or a depression, we need to live by faith. And say to them, that's okay, y'all can do that if you want to. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to do what, what we're supposed to do. We live by faith. It lets us know we're not to, that we're to live apart from the curse of this age. We must be people that believe that God means what He says and says what He means. Well, that's good, I like that. We must be believers. As I said, believers believe. What do they believe? They believe what God said. No matter what the circumstance is, no matter how they feel, no matter how, how, how big the storm appears, we continue to believe what God says. I mean, Jesus said this. He, remember the story of the centurion who comes to Jesus and his servant was sick? And the servant said, you don't have to come to my house. And all the things went on. Jesus said this. This is in Matthew chapter 8, 13. He says, go thy way as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. As you believe, it will be done unto you. That's pretty powerful stuff. Do you believe that? I mean, is that something we really believe? That what I believe makes a difference 
in my outcome? Or is Kim Jong-un in control of that? Or is the Democrat Party in charge of that? I get to choose what I believe. I get to choose it. You get to choose what you believe. The promise of the word comes to us as we believe it. You heard somebody say, well, I just can't believe that. That's not true. They don't believe it because they choose not to believe it, but they can believe it. We can believe. We can believe what God has told us. Isn't that good? Let me read you this. Now, I'm going to read you from the Bible. As I was going to say in the beginning, I was going to hold the Bible and say, this is a Bible. Then I was going to say, how many of you believe what it says? How many do, do we believe that? Would you raise your hand if you believe what the Bible says? Okay, that's good. Here's what Jesus said in, in, uh, in Mark chapter 9. Jesus said in Mark chapter 9, verse 23, and we'll look at a bigger passage of this later, says, if you can believe, big if right there, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Are we believers tonight? I'm a believer. I am a believer. Just say that out loud. I am a believer. I, that means I can believe what Jesus just said. He said, if I can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. I believe what Jesus said. All things are possible. Man, what kind of believers are we? What kind of believers are we? Do we believe in the doctrine of the church? Do we believe that we get to go to heaven when we die and that's it? Do we believe the whole word? You know, I don't understand the whole word. Don't have to understand it to believe it. What kind of believer are you? If we're going to live the way the Lord intends us to live, we're going to have to, 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 to refuse the, allowing the world to define us, and we're going to have to believe the Word. The only way I can believe the Word is to get in the Word, find out what the Bible says. The Word will be unto us according as we believe it. Everybody with me so far? That's pretty fun so far. Now, sometimes it seems like it doesn't work, doesn't it? And don't get too holy on me yet. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it's working. Is that when we ought to quit? No, we don't quit when it seems like that. Let me say something. Faith always works. True Bible faith always works. It never fails. If I truly believe the Word, it will never fail me. Belief is putting into action the faith that we have. The Bible says in James 2.20, but, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? The proof of my belief, the proof of my faith, is my doing what the Bible said. That's my belief. So let's look at some of the things. Why, why would it not work? Why, why would it seem like it's not working? How about this verse? Jesus said in Matthew 7.13, 
making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. Many times Christians believe their traditions more than they believe what the Bible says. One time I was talking to a lady. This is several years ago. I think I've told you this before. I had a, a, uh, a New Testament, a small New Testament, a Gideon New Testament in my back pocket. This was back in the day before you could just pull out a phone with the Bible. And she was, she was saying something about all the silly people that speak in other tongues. And I said, really? She said, she said, well, that's all just crazy. I mean, the Bible says that you're not supposed to speak in other tongues. I said, really? You think that's what the Bible says? And she said, yes. And I pulled that little Bible out of my pocket and I opened up the scripture where the Apostle Paul says to forbid not to speak with other tongues. And I looked, at, I showed it to her and, and she read it. And she said, well, what kind of Bible is that? <laughs> I said, well, it's the one you got in the fifth grade that the Gideons passed out in your school. Because her tradition said that we don't speak in other tongues. Her tradition said that miracles had passed. Her tradition said that God no longer heals the, the sick because now we have doctors who can take care of us. How many of you realize that yes, we have great doctors, but no, they don't know it all. And we need to be praying for doctors and researchers every day against some of these things. But it's the Lord that we have to trust and His Word that we must believe. Having a belief in a tradition is not the same as believing what the Bible says. I mean, I've heard people even say this. Yeah, but the song says. It doesn't matter what the song says. What does the Bible say? You know, the traditions that have been built up for generations sometimes need to be destroyed so that we can believe the word. If we believe the tradition, it makes the word of no effect. But I believe the word is effectual because I believe it. And we'll read that here in just a second. But we can't be there. The scripture says this. Let me go a little further. We have this tradition that says, well, you never know what God will do. I mean, the Lord's will is a mysterious thing. I mean, it, it, it's so mysterious. You never know what the will of God is. Nobody can know the will of God. True or false? That's a false statement. Here's what the Bible says. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. We need to be having our minds so renewed in the Word that we know what's the will of God. In fact, there's a scripture, I don't know where it is, it talks about our flesh is trained by that, by knowing what the will of God is. How about this one? This is Ephesians 5.17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise. I don't want to be unwise, do you? Be, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's not wise to not know His will. Well, how do you know His will? You find His will in the Bible. His will is in the Bible. If we read the Bible, we'll find things that are His will. Well, yeah, but what about should I buy that house or not? The Holy Spirit will speak to us, and He sounds a whole lot like the Scripture, but He can speak to us because we're training our spiritual ear to hear the Lord's voice as we stay in His Word. 
and we get rid of all those, those traditions. We need to understand that God will not do what He expects us to do. We have an idea that God's in charge of everything, and if it's God's will for this to happen, then it'll happen. That isn't necessarily true. The Scripture says that God isn't willing for any to be lost. And yet people are lost all the time. We know there are things that take place that are not God's will. It was not God's will for the Hamas terrorists to torture and murder and, and, and do the terrifying things that did the Israelis on October the 7th. That was not the will of God. You can't make it the will of God any way, shape, form, or fashion. So we need to find out what is the will of God. We've got to know. We, we have to do some things. Do you realize that? There's some things that we have to do. How about this passage of Scripture? We talked about this a lot last year. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. Jesus is talking. He said, And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Jesus said, I'm giving you keys. And anything you bind will be bound. Anything you loose will be loosed. You have the authority. I mean, those keys represent our authority. If I have a key to my, the front door of my house, that means I have authority to go in and out when I want to. The key is my authority. Jesus said, I'm giving you keys to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. There are keys that allow you to gain access. He said, I'm giving them to you. And then he tells us what the key is. Binding something and loosing something. He's talking about the authority of the believer. In other words, if I don't exercise my authority, I'm going to miss out on the promise. I'm not going to have what he said if I don't exercise authority. We, the church as, as a whole, has been remiss in the exercise of authority based on the Word of God. We need to find out, what, what do we have authority over? I mean, we, gotta, we, we need to realize something. There is a measure of authority that we have. I don't have authority tonight over whatever his name is, the ruler of China. Chi or Chai or whatever you say his name. I cannot pray and bind him from getting on an airplane and going to deal with the guy in Korea. I don't have that authority, but there's a measure of authority. Each of us has to take care of that. For example, Daniel, when he was praying, he was, he was praying for 21 days before the angel finally got through to him. And what did the angel tell him? He said, I started coming the day you started praying, but I had to fight the prince of Persia before I could get here. Why didn't Daniel fight the prince of Persia? It was, it was beyond his measure. It wasn't what Daniel could fight. It, it, it was too far in the heavenlies. Daniel couldn't fight it. Daniel, he, he, you know, he, he could have been down here praying, I bind you, Prince of Persia. But that's not his realm. It's not his realm of domain. Let me, let me read you this passage. Maybe this will make it clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, by measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. This isn't part of what I want to say here, but I'm going to say it anyway. Do not compare your faith to somebody else's faith. 
Don't compare your belief to somebody else's belief. Don't compare your Christian walk to somebody else's Christian walk. Because it says that's not wise. You be who you are. Understand where you are. Understand where your faith is. Understand what your faith is about. And walk in that. And let God take care of the rest of it. But he goes on to say, But we will not boast of things without our measure, things outside of our measure, but according as the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. We have a certain measure of authority that we can operate in. And you have, you have the authority to operate over your home. You have the authority to operate in your workplace. You, ha- you have the authority over your boss. By the way, when the Bible talks about dominion, that everybody should have dominion, it never says we have dominion over people. That's not our job. I can't control your will. You can't control my will. We can pray that God would, would operate in a way to show you what His will is, but that's how we pray. All right? we, he, he gave us authority. He gave us power. He gave us control. Those are all the same Greek word. But He gave those things not so that we can be outside the measure where we're supposed to be. Okay, I can't pray. I cannot pray that God would, would uh, make your cousin Harold a Christian. I can pray that God would orchestrate circumstances around your cousin Harold. I can pray God would send him people. I can ask God if he wants me to go to cousin Harold. We can do those types of things. We don't have control over Harold's will. So sometimes it doesn't seem like it's working, right? But it always works if we work it. Remember the story about Paul? This is in Acts chapter 16. He, Acts 15, he got in a, he got in a disagreement uh, and he had to fire his longtime uh, travel partner, hired a new one named Silas. And so Paul and Silas go out on a mission trip, and they're still taking Luke. They pick up another guy, his name is Timothy, and now they're traveling around. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Isn't that interesting? They're trying to go to Asia. They're trying to get there, but the Holy Spirit says you can't go there. All right. Now, if you're one of his followers, you might be thinking, well, you missed that one, Paul. And he did, apparently. He says, after that, we were coming to Messiah. They, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. They're trying to go to another place. And the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't go there. What kind of leader is this Paul? He didn't know where to go. He's wandering around. And they didn't have horses or jets. They were riding donkeys or horses and, or walking, whatever they're doing. And they, they, they're, they're missing it. So it says, And they passing by Messiah came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go to Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called for us to preach the gospel to them. Now this is an interesting passage. He's trying to go. He is trying to preach the gospel somewhere, and the Lord keeps telling him no. The Lord says, you can't go there. You can't go there. Finally, the Lord is is like, okay, I'm going to have to show you exactly what it is. He gives him a vision of a man, a man in Macedonia. And the man says, come and help us. Paul gets a vision. Now he knows exactly what to do. why, why, Why does he know? He got a word from God. When you get the word of God, no matter who stands against you, you have the authority to accomplish what God said to do. You have it right now. I love this. Who do you think the man was in the vision? Do you remember the story? They get to Philippi. They get thrown in jail. 
and Paul and Silas at midnight were singing praises to God. There's an earthquake and the jailer starts to kill himself. Do you think the jailer could have been the guy in the dream? I think maybe so. And Paul said, don't kill yourself. We're here to help you. Because he had a vision. He knew where to go because God showed him where to go. How about this one? Same chapter. They get to the city. This is before the earthquake. So then it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought to her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Now that doesn't sound bad, does it? I mean, they're preaching, they're teaching people about stuff, and this lady is there the whole time they're talking, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God. She probably had a creepy voice of some sort. She, she, she's got a demon crying out from her. And she said, there are servants of the Most High God. And it says, and this she did many days. Why in the world did Paul allow it to happen? Had Paul not cast out demons before? He'd cast out lots of demons. Here's the biggest reason it doesn't work sometimes. The Lord didn't tell him to cast the demon out yet. He did not have a word from God. It says, and she did this many days, but Paul being grieved, finally he gets the okay from the Holy Spirit and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So I guess it took about an hour. I don't know. Came out that same hour. And she wasn't doing that anymore. And, and that's why they went to jail. You remember the story now? They went to jail because this lady was given, was, was a diviner for all these businessmen in town. And they were taking, they, and her, their business was dying because she couldn't give, give, give these false prophecies. And so, but Paul had to get a word from God. The reason sometimes it doesn't seem like it's working is because we didn't take time to hear what the Holy Spirit said in light of what the Word said, and we jumped out there to do something just because it seemed like it was the right thing to do. What's the Scripture say in Proverbs about what seems right? Twice the same verse, has that verse twice. It says, sometimes we do what seems right and it causes death. Just because it seems right, we must hear the Holy Spirit. How about this? Acts chapter 27. The Apostle Paul, man, he got in all kinds of problems. And so now he's, now he's on a ship and, and he's a prisoner of Rome. He's traveling and they're getting ready to get on the boat and travel. And Paul says to, 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 the, to the, the captain of the ship in Acts chapter 27, he says, and to the guy who was holding prisoner, and he said to them, Sirs, I perceive, perceive this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only the lading of the ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Paul said, look, guys, I perceive, I know, this isn't going to be a good trip. It's not going to be right. But the centurion, who did he believe? The owner of the ship. Because that's the guy who was getting all the money for the goods. Back down in verse 14, it says, But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Euroclidon. All of a sudden, they get in a hurricane. If they had just listened to Paul, they'd be safe at the beach house. But they didn't. Now, they're in a, they're in a hurricane. Verse 19, it says, In the third day we cast... Now, they've been in the hurricane for three days. 
Do you, do you think Paul had ever heard the story told about Jesus saying, Peace be still? Surely he had heard that before. Surely somebody told him that story about Jesus. I mean, he's friends with the apostles. He, he knows all that stuff. He says, they've been out there three days. It says, and the third day we cast out with our own hands attacking on the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, no small temp tempest lay on us. All hope that we should be saved was taken away. But after a long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from Crete and now and have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. Now here's how he knows what to do. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given, the, given thee all them that sail with thee. That's an amazing statement. They thought Paul was sailing with them because he was the prisoner. They were sailing with Paul. And that's the only way they were going to get to Rome is because they're sailing with Paul. And the angel said, I I'm going I'm to make you help you live and all those that are traveling with you. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe that believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. Paul, he, didn't, he never heard the Lord say, calm the water. He never heard the Lord say, rebuke the storm. So he never rebuked it. In fact, he went through the storm all the way to the end of the storm. The boat was torn to pieces. They all survived. They got on an island. A snake bit him. So it was getting from bad to worse. He shook it off and he went on to live and he got to Rome where he was supposed to be. Because God gave him a word about getting to Rome. God told him what to do. He, God never said, Paul, just rebuke the storm and everything will be fine. Because that is the way God always does it. I mean, wouldn't it be great if every time there was something bad going on around you, you could rebuke it and have to stop? But if it doesn't stop and you've rebuked it, what does that do to your belief? It makes you not believe. The key here is we've got to get a word from God. Got to get a word from God. If you have a word from God, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, you're going to believe God. You have faith. Faith begins where the will of God is known. That's why we got to know the will of God. We hear Him. We know what to do. The Bible says in Romans 14, 23, what is not of faith is sin. It's sin. I knew of a guy that was answering the phone lines uh, at a big ministry. So he gets on the phone with this lady who was all, she was crying. She could barely get the words out because she was mugged. And she lost some money and uh, she wasn't hurt terribly bad but had a few bruises because she was mugged. And, and, and she said, she said, I don't understand this. I mean, I was quoting scripture the whole time. I was, I was crying out to God, quoting scripture, and this guy still mugged me. She was more upset about God not, not, not stopping the mugger than she was about losing her stuff. She was, I don't understand. I don't understand. I mean, I was quoting Psalm 91 the whole time. And so the guy on the phone, he said, he said, well, he said, well talk to me. Tell me where you were, she told him. 
And she said, he said, what kind of part of town? She said, it's not a very good part of town. And he said, well, honey, why, why were you there? And she said, well, I wanted, I wanted to go and witness to people there. She said, I just wanted to go and witness. And just as I was getting ready to leave, I, I kind of had a check in my spirit, but I just started quoting Psalm 91. And I went on. She got a word from God. And she ignored what God said. She went where God didn't want her to be because he tried to stop her. And she got mugged. Was God being mean to her? No. God expected her to hear him because she did and obey what he said. When faith doesn't seem to work, it's because we're not working it the way it's supposed to be. I mean, we're just not doing it right. If you get a check, and I heard about a guy, this is, these are true stories, a guy who, who was, who was going to have surgery, but he got a check in his spirit about the surgery. Wasn't afraid of it. I mean, he was going to go do it. He didn't have any problem with the medical world, but he got a check in his spirit not to go, not to have the surgery. Everybody told him he was wrong. In fact, he almost changed his mind, but he thought, no, no, I, I believe God told me not to do that. So he didn't have the surgery and then was supernaturally healed and delivered because he chose to believe what God told him. I mean, we, we have to learn how to hear what he's saying. Here's what we have to know. Each one of us has to have our own faith. You can't have my faith. I can't have your faith. We must begin to believe. We must believe what God has said to us and do what we're supposed to do. One time, I know of another example where, where a preacher was, was, was praying and he has a vision of Jesus. And he's talking with Jesus. And I mean, it's just, he's just right there having a conversation. And all of a sudden, this little demon comes up and starts hollering at him. And, and getting in the way, and he's trying to see Jesus, and he's, he's trying to hear what Jesus is saying, and he can't, he can't do it. He can't, he can't see Jesus, can't hear him. And so he's, he, he keeps saying, Jesus, why don't you do something about that demon? I mean, I can't hear what you're saying. I know it's important, but, but why, why don't you do something about the demon? And it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And finally, the preacher had all he could stand, and he said, I bind you in Jesus' name. Get out of here. And the demon just shriveled up and went away. And he thought, wow. He said, Lord, Lord, why didn't you do something about that? And the Lord told him, this is what the Lord said, if you hadn't done something about it, I couldn't have. Now that's kind of interesting to think about, isn't it? If you hadn't, I couldn't. Not I wouldn't, I couldn't. Can that be scriptural? Uh, you know, you know, I'm going to give you the scriptures. Authority has been delegated to the church. Jesus said, "All power is given to me in heaven and earth." What's the next phrase? Go ye therefore. He said, "I have all power." Because I have power, I give it to you. I delegate, the word power should be authority. I delegate it to you. So you go. You operate in my authority. 
you do it. How about another? Let's get, let's get a couple of witnesses here. How about Paul? Paul would be a good witness to have here. Paul said in Ephesians 4.27, he says, Neither give place to the devil. Who? He wasn't talking to Jesus. He was talking to you and to me. We have authority to stop the devil. I've told you this before. You cannot find the New Testament where the Scripture ever tells you to pray that God will do something about the devil. It's up to us. He said, you don't give a spot to the devil. Don't let him in there. In the realm, in the measure of my authority, I have authority of all the spots inside of me. And I can choose to rebuke him from me, from my house, from my family. I have the authority. And we have to exercise that authority. If I don't stop the devil, he's coming in. If Tammy and I don't stop the devil, he's coming in. I don't know if y'all know how we met. We met when we were she was still in high school and I was a, a freshman in college. We were going to a church and we we weren't dating or anything, but we, we went to a prayer room. We would meet once a week or so I don't know if we have a special time. But we would go to this prayer room at the church and we would agree together for people. Not against their will, but that God would open the doors. And we prayed for kids in our youth that were around our youth group. And we, every kid we prayed that would get saved got saved. Every kid that we prayed would get filled with the Spirit got filled with the Spirit. And we realized back in those days that if we would just agree together, and if it was in our realm of authority, we got our answer because we got in total harmony in our prayers. Didn't hurt that I thought she was cute, but, you know, <laughs> it's up to us to not give a place to the devil. It's up to us. Here's another witness. James says in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not from Jesus. It's not Jesus' responsibility to resist the devil for you. It's up to you to resist the devil. It's up to me to resist the devil. I resist him. And he flees not from Jesus, but from me. This is pretty sobering, huh? If we're going to live in this world and we're going to have the success we're supposed to have, we're going to have to operate in the authority and power that Jesus has given us to operate in. We're going to have to know that we have something to do. We have to stand. Here's what Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 9. Whom, talking about the devil, resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Resist. Our job is to resist. Our job is to stand. Our job is what we're supposed to do. Listen, we, we'll never be able to contradict the Word or the Holy Spirit and then try to exercise any kind of faith. We can try, but we won't be successful. That's when it doesn't work. It works when, when, we, when we're trying to do something outside what God has said. Jesus said in John, John 5, 19, He said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. I mean, when Jesus walked to the pool of Bethesda 
and there were sick people everywhere wanting to get in that water. He went to one guy and healed one man because he only had a word from God for that one man. In my mind, it would have been a great thing if he had just waved his hand and they would have all got appealed. Wouldn't that have been cool? But they didn't want the Holy Spirit. That's not what the Lord told him to do. The Father didn't say that. He said, I can only do whatever he does when I see him doing it. You see, we walk by faith. We cannot be moved by the circumstances to deal with the things that are going on. We cannot compare ourselves with other people. You and I each need to be able to have the faith that God has given us for what we do and do that. It will always work. Now, am I flawless at that? No. I'm going to bet nobody in the room is flawless so far. But we can get better and better as we believe what the Word says to us. Believe what the Holy Spirit says to us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, tonight we pray for revelation about where you're taking us and what you would like for us to do. We pray tonight for revelation from your Word regarding how to believe, what to believe, how to be believers that operate in exactly what you've said. Father, tonight we thank you for your word. We thank you for your answers in the spirit. We believe you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.